coming up Saturday night. Six o'clock kickoff. Our uh, coverage begins at two o'clock with our tailgate show from Touchdown Alley. And we're joined now by Tim Watkins from BearsIllustrated.com. Tim, what was uh, what was your big takeaway from the win Saturday night against Texas State? You know, there was a lot of good things out of that game. I don't think anybody was happy with the final score of being 29 to 20. You know, gave up uh, you know 10 points, really gifted to them off of uh, off of penalties that extended those drives. But I think the biggest takeaway for me was the running game. You know, simply put, we we didn't see that type of offensive line performance last year in the nine conference games, mind you. Texas State is not at the level of most of the Big 12 teams. Maybe they could be, they could probably be Kansas, but outside of that, you know, they're they're a tier below what Baylor will see in the Big 12 conference, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But for Baylor, especially in the second half, to be able to really dictate uh, in running downs uh, with a loaded box and still be able to average 6.1 yards per carry between their two star star running backs, Nathan Smith and Treston Ebner. That, that's very positive for the Baylor Bears and with a running game that was, was quite awful at times last year. With that being said, do you, do you think that the offense and defensive line is at least trending in the right direction from where it was last year, even though it was against a lesser opponent on Saturday? I think so. I mean, the offensive line, there was a lot of mixing and matching. There was a lot of guys coming in and out uh, for drives, and and we started to see some of the units click, especially in that third quarter, which I thought was by far their best and most most, uh, productive quarter out there, Um, really outside of that initial drive, which I think uh, was uh, four or five plays and done, uh, just one first down, and then they had to punt. You know, they had – multiple scoring drives in that third quarter, and we saw Jacob Gall at center. Uh, we saw Michael Mascua at one of the guards. We saw uh, Khalil Keith out there with Connor Galvin as well. So the ability, I think, to get film, get guys working together, especially on the offensive line, we got to find the right five pieces, and that's what Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos are really focusing on, and I think they tried to really make that item number one on the offensive list. What are the right five guys for us to be able to run the ball effectively? We started to see some of that, especially in the second half. You know, the defensive side, I, I think the, uh, the defensive line probably underperformed what our expectations were, uh, at least statistically. They only had one sack. We only had seven tackles for loss, but they had a lot of opportunities to make negative plays that the Quiasa, they just missed on. Um, they, they really let Brady McBride get out of the pocket too much. Uh, the, the, he, he was 20 for 40 for 156 yards. I'd say probably 100 of those were on scrambles outside of the pocket. At least that's what it felt like. So I, I, I think there was a lot of anxiousness, a lot of I want to make the play on the defensive line. I think them working de- better together staying their lanes, closing the pocket, making sure some of the athletic dual-threat quarterbacks that Baylor's going to see in the, set, in the Big 12 conference play specifically, you've got to keep them in the pocket. They failed against that with Brady McBride. You can't do that against Kansas State, against Texas, against Oklahoma, and survive. You, you mentioned defensive performance. Uh, Ika with just one tackle, and, and he's, he's, he's going to be a, a better performer than that. Absolutely, and he had some opportunities to make some plays. They had some stunts where pretty much he blew up the double team and in doing so blew up the stunt as well that would have had an open lane to the, to the, uh, to the quarterback. So, again, I think getting the timing, working together, that's going to take some time. You want to make those mistakes against Texas Southern. You don't want to make those mistakes in a couple of weeks 
against an Iowa State when you really have a chance to get a, a top ten, you know, if they win this week, uh, maybe even top five uh, caliber program coming into Waco. Talk a little bit about Gary Bohannon uh, in your thoughts there. 15 of 24, no touchdowns, uh, but no interceptions either, and uh, 148 yards through the air. Yeah, really tracking how he played. I, I thought he threw one risky pass that ended up as a completion. I think a better defensive back uh, cuts under that and intercepts it. That was really the only ball that I thought he put in a danger zone. He had, I'd say, two bad passes, one in the end zone and one down the field uh, to, I believe, R.J. Sneed on a, on a deep route. Outside of that, he was on point. You know, uh, Baylor really kept it vanilla a lot on the passing game. Um, they did a couple of those play-action rollouts, which I think he was nearly perfect on those going to R.J. Sneed or Tyquan Thornton on those deep comeback routes, which that is a staple component of this Baylor Bears offense. Uh, also play-action on those deep crossing routes, about 10 to 15 yards down the, the field. Again, he was really, really good at those baseline concepts. And that's the, the key with this offense. You have to be able to get the foundation plays down. And really, 99% of what we saw last Saturday was foundation plays, the bread and butter plays, the vanilla plays that really set up the counters, that set up the play-action bootlets, that set up instead of being a deep comeback route, all of a sudden it's a stop and go and that's a touchdown. We really didn't see Baylor go to that second, third, fourth counter off of the standard plays that we will see later on this season when they need it. What do you think about this week with that offense trying to establish the running game again on Saturday? Is that imperative that they continue to do that as they lean toward Big 12 play? It has to be because, again, that is the foundation. Being able to run that wide zone uh, consistently and effectively and to be able to show that. Baylor really didn't show any zone read options, which we mostly believe is going to be a piece of the package, especially with, with an incredible athlete like Gary Bohannon at quarterback. Uh, that's another component that we really didn't see. We didn't see a lot of the power and trap concepts that are plays off of the standard wide zone package that really Baylor struck with, even with a loaded box. Um, you know, Texas State was really playing one safety high a lot of the times, really wanting Baylor to pass it. And they said, no, we're going to run it. We're still going to average 5.3 yards per carry on 45 attempts. So they ran it into all kinds of boxes. That gives me optimism, and I think we're going to see a similar game plan uh, against Texas Southern. Um, you know, we might see a, diff a couple of different wrinkles if they want to, to expand the playbook passing-wise. But, you know, this team is still going to be learning the offense for the next few weeks and really throughout the season. We're not going to see the full, full Jeff Grimes offense probably until next season, but we definitely didn't see the majority of what they have installed so far. Tim, do we, uh, do we have a different look to the conference on Friday? Are there uh, a, a few new members to this league possibly on Friday? <laughs> Yeah, that's what it sounded like. You know, 24-7 Sports is reporting that Cincinnati has uh, formally applied uh, and that they are expecting the Big 12 to take a vote on Friday. Make no mistakes, any vote is just pomp and circumstance <laughs> and a formality at this point. The conversations, the negotiations, the, the backdoor dealings have all been done. As I like to say, uh, Sometimes you only ex extend an offer when you know it's going to be committed to. And this is that type of situation. Cincinnati is not extending this offer, expecting there to be a deliberation on it. None of these schools that do formally take this step, uh, especially for any in an existing conference like Cincinnati, like a Houston, UCF, 
there's a process to go through. BYU, it doesn't really matter. They're an independent for the most part. They're going to apply. They don't have a lot of red tape to get through. But these schools in the American Athletic Conference, there's red tape. There's formality to this. So, yeah, that's a big step. That means this is pretty much done in Cincinnati probably within the next 48 to 72 hours. They're going to have some type of celebration on their campus as future Big 12 members. What are you working on for BearsIllustrated.com? Uh, continuing to, to look at Texas Southern, uh, you know, really taking a look at what we could see against them. It's, it's really difficult to kind of prepare for a, for a FCS-level school. You know, there aren't all these big names to prep for. But what are the goals? What do we want to see against Texas Southern? Scotty Swingler, who formerly ran the Please Bear With Me Please Bear With Me podcast, uh, has a great article on that. And then, obviously, the fallout of Zach Pyron as the quarterback commitment. Uh, we're covering that, have some exclusive angles on that, and well as taking a look at who are some of the other quarterbacks, if any, Baylor could look at for that 2022 class. As always, Tim, it's a pleasure. Appreciate your time today, buddy. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much. Talk